From Pictures of a Gone World by Lawrence Ferlinghetti The world is a beautiful place to be born into, if you don't mind happiness not always being so very much fun. If you don't mind a touch of hell now and then, just when everything is fine, because even in heaven, they don't sing all the time. The world is a beautiful place to be born into, if you don't mind some people dying all the time, or maybe only starving some of the time, which isn't half so bad if it isn't you. Fire Pit Creative Group presents Aftermath, Episode 29, Rust Never Sleeps. Night fell on Manhattan. The world above the inoperable subway system was anything but quiet. But the caverns below were, at least for the moment, still. Octavia sat in the wire cage filled with broken hardware. She was used to the pitch black darkness. She was used to hiding, scratching, scrabbling, and scraping for food, shelter, and clothing. She hid from rape gangs, stole from rockheads and Morlocks alike. She killed guiltlessly. None of these things gave her joy, but Octavia survived. Now, under the leadership of Hoffa and the Oddfellows, Octavia stole and destroyed in defense, in service of others. This gave her purpose, but made her feel strangely empty. Sitting on a row of heavy copper tubes, lifeless simulacra at her elbows, Octavia recalled when she was younger. Maybe she was a teenager, or maybe it was before that. She fled a ransacked Harlem survival house with her grandmother and two uncles. Well, they weren't really her uncles. In desperate times, Octavia's grandmother prayed over her, always reminding the young woman of the importance of filling herself in body, mind, and spirit. They can take your body, the old woman spoke, but don't let them break your mind. Later, the wise woman took Octavia's shivering hand. They may harm your mind, dear make you question everything you believe. But if you are full up with the spirit, Octavia's grandmother emphasized this unseeable, untouchable thing as if it was divine, present, and important. They cannot kill you. Those words seemed to echo throughout the bleak subway. Octavia was sure she heard the old woman's voice, remembered everything she ever said to her before she died. A Bible on one hand, a 357 Magnum in the other. Octavia still had the slim Bible, with its leather cover and thin, crinkled pages. She kept the gun ever close, always loaded, 
ready to draw. She clinged to both items with a near-religious significance, as if they gave her life, her struggle, meaning. Octavia wouldn't let others harm her body. She exerted herself, building muscle in places her male counterparts gave up on. And she wouldn't let any person command her mind. Octavia may have been a follower of the Odd Fellows, their creed and code, but in her heart, she was free to make her own choices, wherever they led her. Now, Octavia turned to Benjamin Castro's lifeless robot body. Moments earlier, it looked human. It sounded human. The machine narrated a series of events as if it was wholly alive, more than any human Octavia had met. Castro seemed at war with his own obstacles and the challenges of the damaged, diseased, burned-out world they both found themselves winding through. But the robot wasn't human. Octavia shined her flashlight around the caged room. None of them are human. Not the handsome black man, McGillicuddy with his guns, nor the pale-faced man who carried their cans, their currency. They were robots, machines. One moment, they stood there, side by side with Octavia, pleading with her to aid them, keep their secrets. Shortly afterwards, their bodies seemed to fail them, collapsing in the cold, wet space. It was as if their spirits were stripped from their coverall-clad bodies, and though they explained what was going to happen, when it did, Octavia was shocked. She didn't understand the technology. Octavia felt a thin, wiry sensation crawling her skin fixing her muscles, fluttering in her stomach. She wasn't sure what it meant. She was unsure if she trusted General Castro and his men, but their determination, or was it desperation, resonated with her. There, beneath the city, between the dwellings of humans, rockheads, and Morlocks, Octavia paced. Maybe, she thought, the best way to make sense of what Castro revealed was to endear herself to them, figure out if they were a threat. If they were, she was positioned to dispatch them, as she had so many others. If they weren't, she may let down her guard, assist them in their mission. In doing so, she could serve others struggling to survive. Octavia remembered McGillicuddy's description of scavengers living in the tunnels under the river. Oddfellows never went there. Hoffa confined their activities to the interior of the island. For all his fearlessness, the Oddfellow's leader was cautious. He avoided conflict with the notorious Silvio Jones and his mutant armies. Jones controlled the ports and bridges, the waterfront. But if what the general said was true, a blow had been dealt to Jones and his control of the Brooklyn Bridge. McGillicuddy told Octavia he made a pact with the scavengers in exchange for their charity. Maybe the general and his men weren't so different from the Oddfellows. The scavengers were suffering and suffering anywhere was a threat to survival everywhere. Octavia swept a thick chain from the concrete floor. She bound the chain around the bar separating her from Castro, Cuddy, and Bath's robot bodies. Octavia took one last look at the unmoving, mannequin-like machines. She wondered what the Oddfellows would think if they knew about the simulacra. Would they want to steal them? Control them? Destroy them? Trudging through the abandoned, cluttered subway tunnel at Manhattan City Hall Station, Octavia made a resolution. It was time to make her own decisions, to be the woman she was supposed to be.
Octavia emerged from the wrecked subway system, unaware of how much time had passed. Here, in Manhattan, caught between opposing gangs, survivalists, or downtrodden fatalists, time mattered little. When the sun rose, it was time to work, to serve, and protect. When the sun set, it was best to get off the streets, away from the fronts. This was the way Octavia lived since maturity, since she found like-minded survivors who believed, however reluctantly, in the promise of a better world. She walked calmly near the perimeter of what used to be City Hall. Two young onfellows walked a sentry post, back and forth in the pale light. Not too long ago, that had been Octavia, new, unafraid, seeking action. She pulled a tool from her pocket. Passing between the sentries, she pressed the plastic clicker, making a cricket sound. This signaled she was a friend. The men turned, rifles raised. Octavia heard four clicks in response to her gesture. She responded with a single sound. The sentries lowered their weapons. As Octavia passed through the perimeter, she turned back. The guards returned to their patrol, but Octavia saw something they didn't. A brown wolf huddled in the darkness beyond the grass perimeter and wound wire. Brilliant eyes flashed, ears arced up. Octavia stared for a long moment. The animal gazed, unmoving. She swallowed hard, wondering if the animal was a threat, some mutated creature. No, she thought. Just a wolf, separated from its pack, searching, scraping for food where scraps and garbage were a feast. It was their world now, Octavia thought, as she turned away. Humans and animals were free, but both were shackled by instinct, necessity. Each survived in their own way as they always had. Impulse, overpowering others, leaving a path of destruction. When she was younger, Octavia took shelter on the third story of a building in the Bronx. There, she saw a deer give birth. When she came back a few days later, the deer and its offspring were dead, bodies ripped open, limbs ripped apart. Someone said other animals were to blame. Another blamed the mutants. Crossing through the barricades to the front of City Hall, Octavia recalled something she heard from travelers taking shelter with the Odd Fellows. Those wanderers escaped Boston. They said power-mad dictators turned Kraft Stadium into an arena where gladiators fought loosed animals and mutants. Some fought for fortune. Others fought for survival. Octavia didn't want to believe it. But anything was possible. She nodded at the guards huddled outside City Hall, talking back and forth under raised spotlights. They recognized her, saw the tattoo scratched into her bald head. Octavia didn't know them. They must have been new recruits. In the interior rotunda, men sorted weapons, ammunition, cans, and other supplies by candlelight. They pushed equipment down an assembly line, where women and their children separated items into plastic and metal containers. Octavia glanced around. The remaining odd fellows were upstairs, most of them sleeping, reading, or training, going through rituals to show their loyalty to Hoffa's crusade. Where you been? A voice came from behind Octavia. She turned slowly to face the boy, barely a man. Scouting, Octavia told Squeak, with too much brass in her voice. After hours, he shot back, not supposed to go out on your own, only in pairs. Deal with it, Squeak. I'm going out again. But, 
Squeak protested, but Octavia ignored him. She collected edible food, a first aid kit, antibiotics. The ampules of morphine were strictly rationed. Octavia could get cautioned if leadership knew what she took without a good reason for the requisition. You want to lend a hand? Octavia asked, then instructed. Go to the storeroom, get me a campfire kit, and head-to-toe armor. Are you going to fight? Going on your own? Squeak scratched a tuft of whiskers under his chin. He glanced around nervously. This has something to do with that... that general, doesn't it? Something was off about them. I, I don't know what, but... But they didn't look like anyone from around here. You think they're with the Rockheads? The Morlocks? You think they're... Octavia pulled Squeak close. Shut your mouth. She was cautious, but forceful. You're always running your mouth, saying you want in on a real assignment, huh? You're sick of fence duty? Come with me. Her eyes fixed on the young man, searching, wondering if she would regret this. Hurry up and get that armor. You're gonna need some, too. Go. Go now. Squeak scrambled to the door that led to the basement armory. Octavia watched heads turn, but everyone there had a job to do, and they were tired. Octavia had served in all positions before being charged with defending City Hall, before taking field missions with Hoffa. She worked on the assembly line. She was a talented medic, an armorer, a guard manning the ramparts, catapults, and other defenses that repelled mutants. She knew how the boy felt. Squeak wanted to leave City Hall, travel beyond the compound, to face danger. Squeak returned from the armory, arms filled with gear. Is this right? He adjusted an oversized helmet on his head. Octavia smiled. That'll do just fine. The distance from the Oddfellows compound at Manhattan City Hall to the Hugh L. Carey Tunnel was about three miles. Still, traveling by foot at night, Octavia and Squeak had to be on alert. The Rockheads and their allies were everywhere. In the darkness, looting and rape gangs fled like roaches from the Bowery and subterranean hovels into the city. Octavia was equally concerned about those rushing to and from the Fallen Tower near Wall Street. Select groups of Oddfellows and their allies would be out assisting the injured. If there was anything left of the stealth craft or the spinner that went down, Hoffa's scouts would search for tech to salvage, information to hoard. Octavia knew the streets well, but neither she nor Squeak had permission to travel after curfew. Keep up, she told the boy, a hint of annoyance in her voice. Rockhead CR brains or tattoos were screwed. But the more Squeak tried keeping up, the more conspicuous he was. Octavia shook her shaven head. She crouched by a chipped brick building. The pale boy's feet shuffled over powdered concrete and asphalt. He kneeled nearby. You're hopeless, she said, a forgiving grin on her lips. I don't know why you want to risk your life for someone else's cause, Squeak whispered. That's what we do. Yeah, but, but how do you know what that general and his guys said was true? I don't. Octavia peered around the side of the building. But if it is... Her voice trailed off. Octavia waited, watching a couple of cloaked rockheads hobble down the street, out of sight. Come on, and stay away from the doorways. Squatters got motion detectors. We get lit up, you're going to learn to use that slug thrower real quick. Squeak swallowed noticeably. Rifle in his arms, he followed Octavia, closely. They moved intentionally. It took them close to an hour to make it to the battery. 
From a distance, they spied the broken-down entrance to the tunnel that went under the river. They saw the bridge described by Castro's men. Just as Octavia was told, it looked like rockheads fled the area. She exhaled hard. What is it? Squeak asked. I don't know. I don't see any rockheads. She glared up at the buildings. There is danger everywhere, she thought. I'll go first, Squeak said. The hell you will. Octavia gripped the boy's tattered backpack. She pulled him to her. It's a gambit. Squeak followed her gaze up to the shattered windows. You think snipers are perched up there this time of night? Shoot those coming out of the tunnel? Run down and loot them? Probably not. But I wouldn't be surprised if General Castro's men came out of the tunnel, ripped into Jones' men. They might be refortifying this place soon. Or they're expecting someone, something else to come out of that tunnel. Octavia scanned the area, high and low. Sometimes, it was what you couldn't see that posed the greatest threat. However they approached the tunnel, there was imminent danger. Climbing down into the pit from the left gave them cover from the buildings on the same side. Descending from the right was easier, but afforded less protection. We gotta get down into that hole under the scaffolding. Octavia didn't look at the boy. Can you climb? Squeak sneered, offended. Octavia arched an eyebrow. This wasn't time for posturing. Guess I'm as good as anybody. Well, I hope you are. But I didn't bring any climbing gear. Sounds of petroleum and solar-powered generators faded as they ran through what used to be Battery Park. Octavia hustled past fallen statues with Squeak following. He emulated her every move with one exception. Where Octavia held her weapon close, low, and away, her finger on its trigger, Squeak carried his weapon up, gangly fingers trembling. They had both shot at others before, but only Octavia had killed anyone. She grew past the circumstances in which she was forced to stab or shoot. Squeak never killed anyone. Though he felt doing so commanded respect, he had little clue how it felt, what it meant, or why. Octavia had enough of killing, but somehow she knew she wasn't finished with it. They hurried over a crushed curbside into mounds of grass and weeds. Octavia crouched but kept moving. She peered into the pit, then up to the metal planks. The bridge hovered over incoming and outgoing lanes of the tunnel. Below the bridge, fallen metal beams, concrete, and rubble formed an obstacle course of destruction. This is too easy, Octavia muttered. The boy shrugged. Maybe it's true. Maybe that general really did defeat the rockheads. Open up the ports of entry. Octavia secured her weapon on her back. She gripped the side of the incline, squeezed a handful of rocks. Combat boots helped her navigate the broken down hill and rock face. Keep up. They moved slowly and cautiously until they were at the bottom of the hill. Standing in the hole that was once the entrance and exit for Manhattan, Octavia could barely see more than a foot in front of her face. Twice, the boy bumped up against her back. Keep some distance, she said, but don't get lost. Octavia looked around her. She knew there had been a battle here, maybe many battles. Rockheads fighting Morlocks. Concussion grenades rattled, crushed concrete. Molotov cocktails and explosions burned fallen metal. Warzone, she muttered under her breath. Squeak clambered over fallen scaffolding, long pylons. Look! He pushed himself to his feet and pointed. Intuitively, Octavia took a knee. 
She swung her rifle around her, peered down the gaping mouth of the half-circle tunnels. Who's there? She squinted. Something moved, emerged from the pale mist. Octavia's index finger relaxed near her trigger guard. An ominous, defeated voice came from the darkness. We're not rockheads. Who are you? Squeak called out. Octavia glared at him, but the same words were on her own lips. The mist parted. An LED lantern illuminated the area. The odd fellows spied a long column of men and women, scavengers, stragglers, both young and old. Some showed signs of mutations, deformities. Others appeared injured, their torn clothes covered in dirt and blood. Rockheads attacked Nut Island, a gray-haired man spoke. We're what's left. The magistrate is... He's dead, a woman said, stepping forward. Her body was young, but dirty blonde hair framed her ancient face. The battle rages. Everything's burning. It's all fire. Swan Lady's gone too, the man finished. Octavia stood. Her weapon fell to her side. She backed up, stood shoulder to shoulder with Squeak. Where are you going? Squeak asked. City's dangerous. Not much better than the burrows, or... We're looking for a woman named Sally. A sex monkey, Octavia said, surveying the group. She counted the heads and bodies, mentally recording their faces. She nodded at the tunnels behind the crowd. Is one of you named Kick? The survivors mumbled amongst themselves, shook heads. No, a tall young man uttered. His misshapen lips seemed too large for his face. Not from the island. In there, Squeak gestured to the tunnel, the maintenance corridors. The scavengers shrugged at each other. No, a woman shook her head. She turned to a haggard man nearby for support. Pained, mournful faces turned down. All we encountered were... Rodents. A ruddy-skinned man spoke up. Blood encrusted his gray beard. Nutria. Serpents. Octavia had seen such animals, but was still determined to aid those she could. Verifying General Castro's story felt necessary. We're going in, she spoke firmly. If you're looking for help... Find the odd fellows at City Hall. Look for this. She tapped the side of her tattooed head. Our vehicles are painted, or fly the flag. You'd be better off waiting for light, Squeak interjected. Rockheads and Morlocks meet up at Central Park at night. Freemen and Scuttlers still roam the streets. They can be... cruel. Octavia nodded in agreement. She inched forward. The beleaguered escapees parted. Forlorn, sunburned faces gazed in shock and wonder. Come on, Squeak. Together, they approached the dense cavern. Octavia led the way. Behind her, Squeak aimed an old flashlight ahead of them. Keep that lamp still for crying out loud. Octavia aimed her rifle into the deep darkness, inadvertently following where the dim light traveled. Sorry. The boy steadied the flashlight. Something crunched under his feet. Did you hear that? It felt like bone. You were the one who wanted to tag along. You feel like heading back. Be my guest. Hell no. Someone's got to keep an eye on your ass. You keep your eyes off my ass and aim that damned light there and keep it there. Yes, ma'am. Now shut the hell up. I can't hear myself think. They continued forward. The sound of rushing water passed nearby or above them. Octavia reminded herself they were under the East River. She had never been this far out of Manhattan, 
the Bronx, or Queens. If there were any tracks through this sludge, they'd be long gone, she said. Squeak took this as an invitation to talk. Even if you find what you're looking for, you're going to be disappointed. Why do you say that? A distant sound of metal on metal echoed up ahead. This general of yours didn't find what he was looking for down here. He wasn't down here, it was the other two. So? His mission is different than ours. The tunnel widened, their path narrowed. Squeak scanned the area around them, highlighted crushed plumbing and a sea of wastewater. I'm not buying, his voice shook. He kept a flashlight aimed where they walked. Everybody knows the sewers, the tunnels, and the waterways. They belong to the Morlocks. Everybody except your old man. This general and his... I told you, it was the Major and... Which one was he again? The, the black guy. Oh, the boy's hesitant tone turned playful. Now it makes sense. Shut up. No, I, I get it. You want to believe, Octavia. You want their bullshit story to be true, so you can ditch Hoffa and the odd fellows and Octavia spun around. Her rifle dangled on its harness. Shut your mouth. She gripped the boy's oversized jersey just below his peach fuzz covered chin. You're gonna get us killed. Her face was inches from him. Squeak felt her breath, sensed her lowering her shorn head. I I'm sorry. He guided the light up between them, illuminating the bottoms of their faces. It's just... Well, the odd fellows can't stand to lose someone with your experience. Octavia relinquished her grip and closed her eyes. The boy saw her in a way he never had. She was less a soldier. She was a woman. Odd fellows are all the same, Octavia spoke seriously. We're all the same because we're born into it. The killing, the scavenging, the surviving. But there's another world out there beyond this damned, bombed-out city. She paused to look around, gaze into the darkness, then back at Squeak. Why, she thought, had she brought him? Was it because she didn't want him telling the others? Or, in a split second, had she decided she needed him, or that he needed her? It's like what that kid on the radio says. What kid? Squeak withdrew a little. Octavia's eyes widened in the half-light. Big kiss, she reminded him. Right. Enoch. Yeah. Octavia thought of the young man who transmitted live from Boston every new moon. Besides looped transmissions on satellite radio, BGKSZ, or simply Big Kiss Radio, was the only thing worth listening to. Little Orphan Enoch, as the announcer called himself, had a youthful, friendly voice. He was wise beyond his years, sharing information about what the world was like before the fall. Enoch relayed old sports scores, historical essays, Irish poetry, and children's bedtime stories. He signed on and off every broadcast, reminding survivors they did not cause the events that turned their world to chaos. There is a brighter world within our grasp, Enoch promised. I wonder if Boston has rockheads and morlocks, Squeak muttered. Octavia punched his wiry shoulder. We'll never know if we keep doing the same damned thing. Keep marking time. Keep... Her voice trailed off. She was unsure who she was trying to convince. Squeak or herself. Octavia turned. She heard footsteps nearby. 
Startled, she dropped to one knee, rifle raised. Squeak fumbled with the flashlight. Up ahead, a door in the wall opened. A floodlight blinded the odd fellows. Octavia struggled to keep her eyes open, tried training her weapon on a target, any target. We're armed, she called out. I can see that, came a voice from behind the light. And if you know what's good for you, you'll put down that rifle before I blow your damned heads off. Aftermath, a fire pit creative group production based on a story created by Rhett Davis, with characters created by Rhett Davis, Warren Davis, Willem DeGrief, and Cole Hoopengarner. Written by Warren Davis, with contributions from Cole Hoopengarner. Narrated and produced by Cole Hoopengarner. Music by Warren Davis, and video production by Willem DeGrief. The sound effects used in the production of Aftermath are used with permission by the creators, and links to these sound effects can be found in the description section of each episode. Please visit our website, aftermathpodcast.net, for updates, original artwork and music, character dossiers, and more. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at Fire Pit Creative Group Official, on Twitter at Group Fire Pit, on Facebook at facebook.com slash firepitcreativegroup, and on YouTube at Fire Pit Creative Group. Aftermath and its story, characters, music, and artwork are copyrighted by Fire Pit Creative Group. <laughs> <laughs>